Hello and welcome to the Tech Marketing Trends, the podcast that dives into the latest trends and challenges in the marketing world for B2B tech companies. I'm Jacob Lomerbrand. I'm Managing Director of Bright Vision and I'm your host for today. And our guest today is Michael Fouchette, who is the founder, CEO and Chief Analyst at Arion Research. And we're going to discuss Michael's latest report, business adoption and use of artificial intelligence and that has just been released so michael warm welcome to our podcast great thank you glad to be here and i am so glad to have you because this is a so interesting topic and uh, i'm interested in it from many perspectives of course because both i'm an agency owner and and ceo Mm -hmm. of course myself and you know we need to understand what's going on in ai and we have a lot of clients asking the same questions to us and, you know, mm-hmm. we're working together with them and trying to understand how can we help them and what they are and so forth. So we have a lot of stuff to cover there. But before we dive into that, who are you? And can you just give us the cliff notes of uh, sure. of you and Arion Research? Yeah, sure. So I, um, I, got, into, I got involved in tech as a, a U.S. Naval officer. And uh, when I got out, I went to, uh, to the vendor side and I've worked for seven software companies. I was an executive at PeopleSoft in the 90s, Autodesk in the early 2000s. I've done uh, five um, uh, startup, tech startups, and um, the chairman of a sixth one. Uh, And then I was uh, recruited away to IDC, uh, and I ran their global um, enterprise application business for 10 years. Uh, then I went to G2, which is a, you know, a, a, a review marketplace, B2B marketplace for software and services. I was the chief research officer there for five years. Uh, left there. I'm still an advisor, but I, I left there to start um, a firm of my own. I wanted to, um, to, to really focus in on a few things, digital experiences, customer experience, buyers, you know, trends around buyer behavior and, and emerging trends in, <clears throat> in tech. And of course, you know, it, it, I've looked at AI for years, IoT, data, business transformation, something we're calling digital first, which is kind of the next generation digital transformation. But um, with the launch of ChatGPT last November, everybody started to look at AI. And of course, we we started to dig in more there. So we've done a, a good bit of research and work around, um, around generative AI particularly, but AI in general as well. Mm. Interesting. And such an... Uh exciting background you have as well from from those idc and g2 and so on I, i'm sure most listeners are familiar with those brand names as well so great and now you're an expert or analyst of ai and how to adopt that so you created a report now called business adoption and the use of artificial intelligence and i think that's really interesting i'm as a marketeer i'm coming from the tech adoption life cycle school you know with jeffrey moore and all the crossing the chasm and these things so if we start there uh you know how is the businesses in general adopting ai and what what do you see in there on the sure. level sure well we and this is all based on a survey we did in august and I, i'll say the one thing that i would always caution is look how recent something is because ai changes weekly and so you have to really stay on top of the trends or it will, in fact, run away from you. 
Um, but in, in the report itself, and there are a few things that just kind of jump out that I thought were really interesting. One is um, the aggressive spending plan. So 87% of the respondents said they plan to increase their AI spending over the next 12 months, which is a very high number. And I've been doing these surveys for years. So that one might even fall into the zone of a little bit of a surprise to see how aggressive people are. Uh, good. It's good, but I think that's, you know, and then uh, probably no surprise, talent, uh, both direct uh, employee talent and also partner talent is really scarce. And that is actually causing a lot of concern. And it's also limiting the number of, pro of projects that companies can do uh, because of that, uh, you know, the ability to, to get there and to find the right people and train them. And, and then, you know, job displacement. Yes, you hear a lot about it. Um, but I think it's too early to tell. Um, I think there's, and most of the respondents felt like this, but I think it's too early to tell. There's a lot of opportunity. And if you think about it more as an opportunity to upskill or change and then new jobs as well, I think that's a better way to, to focus on it. I, I don't think the net number of jobs over time is, is particularly down because of all the new opportunities. It's just, some people will have to either change or or go do something else, I guess. Um, and then just the the data issues, right? It's um, that's the biggest foundation, and and a lot of companies are thinking about ethics and robust data strategies and technologies to ensure that they have high quality foundation um, and accuracy. And accuracy really does equate to to model accuracy and data quality. And so that's really a, a top of mind issue and frankly, something that any company that's getting into uh, AI needs to think about. Hmm. So interesting. And you're an analyst with a long background from different analyst companies. How would you compare this technology paradigm to get, uh, compared to older, you know, waves we have seen, we have all seen the Gartner hype curve or, or the tech waves exactly. or whatever it's called, depending on which company it is. Uh, but it, it just feels that this is, you know, really, if 87% of all companies you surveyed said, we want to increase our spending on AI next year, isn't that quite aggressive adoption? Mm -hmm. What would you call it? <laughs> Yeah, it is. And, and you know, with, with AI, it's funny because um, we've been talking about AI and AI has been around for a very long time. In fact, it sort of hid under the analytics banner for, for several years as well. And so I think, um, you know, that's, uh, that's a, um, an opportunity now at, that's at the forefront of a lot of, of, of companies' minds, business people, you know, focus because of the, all the buzz that came out around generative AI, which is, you know, a little different than just general, uh, the way we've generally looked at AI in the past. And I think that has created a, a lot of that push and opportunity. Um, it's still early and, you know, things change dramatically uh, all the time. You know, we, we you try a model uh, in January and you try it today. It didn't work well in January. Now it's like amazing. Uh, it's, it's going to continue to change at that pace. And, and in fact, it's kind of like all technology changes. And I think this is a fundamental platform shift. So if you think about it as mainframe to client server, client server to cloud, cloud to industry clouds, now I think you're looking at the next move is, you know, how do we incorporate AI into the whole business? And, and I sort of think eventually we're going to get to the point where we aren't 
talking about it anymore. We don't really talk about cloud anymore. I mean, you use it in your marketing, but you're not, uh, you're not worried about it. Right. And I think that's where you get eventually with AI. It's, it's kind of like that old sticker that Intel used to put on computers, Intel inside, you know, it's going to be AI inside. It's just going to be across all things, but it's, it's, it's still early and, and there's a lot of experimentation and a lot of learning going on. Hmm. That's so interesting. So uh, yeah, the, these were the key top insights. And I think that's so interesting. And one was uh, lack of competency and lack of partners. Mm-hmm. Can you break that down a little bit? Is, is it the lack of consulting companies that offers AI expertise as a service basically or or is it something else in that area no it's definitely tied to um, expertise skills around um, the use of the implementation of you know all of those types of things that you need i mean and that stretches all the way back to the data because you certainly have to have you know the ability to 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 work out and have high quality data available uh, and, you know, integration across because silos, data silos are a real problem in the industry anyway, but particularly with AI, because you want all the data uh, access that you can give the model so that it has, you know, better uh, outputs based on that. Uh, so, yeah, I think, I think that's, you know, we ask one of the questions we asked around uh, talent was, uh, you know, what was the opportunity to upskill? And 77% said that's what they thought was happening, that people, employees were being upskilled a lot to try to meet some of these challenges and, and new job creation, 62%. So it was, you know, it's a, it's a fairly um, optimistic view right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, reduce overall number of jobs, 43%, less than 50% of people now, which I think is good because certainly there's still a lot of buzz around, oh, AI is coming for my job. Um, and, and I just don't think that's, I don't think that's necessarily true. Now you look at some of the bigger shifts in the industrial age, for example, you know, certainly there was job displacement and people had to learn new skills. But, uh, and, and some didn't, I mean, that's just the nature of the way business works, but at the same time, it created so many new opportunities. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing today. Mm. So you're in, in, uh, in your, you know, view on AI, quite optimistic from a job replacement perspective. I, I am. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I, I will say this though. I think that if you're, you know, if you're, if you're involved in business, particularly sales, marketing, customer service. IT, um, you need to be aware of what's happening and you need to be working on skills. You should be trying this, even if you're just using chat GPT on your own or BART or, you know, one of the other models. Um, yeah. It's important to have uh, awareness of, and, and in some ways I sort of think of um, using generative AI models is a little bit like when we first started to do search. You know, you, you didn't just come into to whatever search engine you used and know exactly what to do you had to play around and some people get really good at it and some people still don't really get the results they're looking for because they don't know how to ask the question with generative ai it's the same thing the prompt is actually really important in what you get back so we're going to have to train people how to build the right prompts prompt engineering some people call it but i don't really it's not really it's really uh, that awareness of how to ask the question to get the output that you're looking for yeah yeah so more, more uh, how to pronounce or, or you know, ask questions yep. rather than <laughs> engineer something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and which roles, did you get any sense for which roles that might end up in a displacement first or so? 
Yeah. So you have to think of AI in two, but the way we're using generative AI today, particularly, but also some of the other types of predictive analytics, for example, I like to think of them in two buckets. So you've got the one side that is automation and the other side is assistance or decision support, you might call it. Uh, but I like to think of it broader and, and, and I'll get to that. But, but from the, from the uh, automation side, this is the side that will replace some jobs. It'll replace activities at first. So I sort of think of it like an automation line. And over time that shifts up inside the business because you have more capabilities, you can automate more mundane tasks. Now, the good news to that is that you free up talent to focus on things that are higher value than, you know, it, it, for example, do you really want your salespeople spending a lot of time entering in meeting and meeting results in your CRM system? When you could have a bot do that for them, it can see your calendar. It knows what you did. It's as your notes, it took your notes probably. Mm -hmm. So why would you want people doing that? And, and there's a lot of other tasks around that too. Um, you know, there's a lot of movement around uh, RPA, robotic process automation over the last few years, and that's connected to this. But I, I think of, I like to think of RPA as uh, simplistic automation. And now we're moving to a place where we can do much more high quality automation. So that's that, that automation side. Yeah, you'll see some displacement. On the other side, it's about making things better for you, making you more productive. And, and that's actually where the biggest opportunities are, I think, for marketing, for sales and for service. So this is giving you sort of in two directions, an assistant for you. So it makes you more productive, more efficient. And we're seeing lots of really big numbers when it comes to productivity, people three X, four times five X their outputs because of the use of the, of the, uh, of the bot or assistant, whatever you want to call it, virtual assistant. And then you've also got the outfacing piece of it that automates um, interaction, but it's not automation in the sense of doing work, a process, right? It's interacting. So chatbots, for example, we, we know for years we've had chatbots in support and they were terrible. I don't know about you, but I hated them. Like I yeah. would just cringe if I had to, I'm, I'm yelling at my phone going person, person, you know, I don't want to talk to this thing. And, and if you ask people that I did another survey, a communication survey earlier this year. And if you ask people straight out, do you want to talk to a bot? They'll tell you absolutely not. Like that number was astronomical. But if you ask them how many times their uh, issues been resolved lately with a bot, that'll be a fairly high number too, at least 50%. Because what's happened, we've shifted into the second generation of bot. It's not a logic tree driven thing anymore. It's now an interactive bot and it actually does learn. It does have the capability to, uh, to, to create an experience for a customer or, or an employee, right? It could be employee assistance as well. And I think that's, you know, right now, that's where you see a lot of that activity around taking lots of data and distilling that down into something that's actionable. And, and I think like a good example of that is a physician. Now, I don't want AI diagnosing my diseases. I'm sorry, but I'm just not to that point yet. I don't trust enough. But what I do want is that doctor having the capability to have an assistant crush a massive data set of symptoms and outcomes and predict the top three things that I might have. And then the doctor can decide how to treat that and, it, and what it really is. But think about what it did for him. There's no way he could have possibly absorbed that much data, mm. but it distills it down to a point where it's actually actionable 
and it saves how much time does it save? Like I, I, one of the things that simple activity generating questions for a podcast and I have a podcast on AI and I, and I am in the habit now, I don't write those questions anymore. I used to, uh, and, and I would, you know, maybe spend a couple hours developing questions. Now questions take about five minutes because I asked the right prompt to one of the uh, different language models that I use and I get a list back. I spend five minutes editing to make sure it's exactly what I wanted and I'm done. So that's an incredible increase in productivity by simply having something provide the starting point, And then I can leverage that starting point to get to the, to the right end uh, game. Fantastic. So interesting uh, and uh, quite uh, optimistic feeling as well, since, you know, a lot of companies are quite stressed for, for, for the whole change here. And uh, I know you had a section in your report where you actually brought up uh, concerns for the implications AI will have. And I know data privacy and plagiarism is at the top of that. So how do you, how do you feel? What what have you heard in the survey? Uh, how how are people treating? You know, should we offer our data for training, or should we keep it for us? You know, all that problems. Yeah. What's your take on that? I mean, there's a couple of different places that this is playing out, and I, I there are definitely real uh, concerns around privacy. Um, in fact, you're starting to see some vendors come up with solutions to part of that anyway, and that's. Uh, I'll give you an example from uh, Dreamforce, Salesforce Dreamforce. I was there last week and they, they have a thing in their AI platform they call the Einstein trust layer. And, and when I first saw it, I thought, yeah, 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 good marketing. But then after I dug into it and I realized what they were doing, I'm like, well, this is incredible. And it's not particularly over-engineered or complicated, but the idea is it protects you by stripping out personally identifiable information from the language model and reactions back. So, you know, for example, if you have a customer on a chat bot, who's not happy, there's some chance they might use language that you wouldn't want to return to them <laughs> um, just by nature of the anger. So this idea strips that out in the response. It doesn't allow that to go in, nor does it allow the, the response to be something that could be caustic. Um, it, it's, it borders it's not there yet, but it borders on what we call artificial empathy. The idea that you can create in the, in the bot, the awareness that it needs to respond in certain ways by building the right guardrails. It doesn't understand it. It's not feeling, I, I don't want to scare anybody, but, but it, it is, you know, it is capable of responding in a way that creates the right experience for your customer. Uh, and, and so I think this, this idea of a layer that strips these things out and protects you is really important from a privacy perspective. Now, if you think of ethics, that's another you know, problem and bias, bias in the models is a problem. And, and some companies are attacking this by thinking of it just like you think of how you test your cybersecurity. They're actually, they do these stress tests on the model to try to find the areas where there is uh, bias and figure out ways to compensate for that. And I think that's what we're going to see for a while because, you know, any human has some bias that you just do. And unfortunately, you're training the language model on all this data on the Internet. And guess what? There's bias inherently in the data. So you've got to find a way to clean that out so that you don't have those kinds of issues. So, I, I mean, there's a lot happening in that space. Uh, but I think that, yes, there are concerns and particularly around privacy, around security, too. Uh, but there's opportunities on that end as well. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, for for businesses, which 
areas do they invest in and which platforms and tools do you see uh if you saw any you know having the most widespread adoption right now yeah well so i i'm going to start at a funny place because um because there's a problem that you need to solve as you're going into this and you need to understand that problem and, and that's this idea of data so i think what happened you know over the last few years we have these customer data platforms cdp and they're all the rage but they're all the rage in marketing and unfortunately, a lot of companies deployed them only on marketing use cases. And that's not going to solve your problem. What you have to do is move beyond the marketing use case for CDP and think of this as your customer data platform that controls all of that customer data and models and transactions and all those things across your whole business. So it provides information to finance because they're trying to bill you for something or it provides information to support. It provides information to sales. So having an underpinning of a data platform first, that's absolutely critical. And then you have to look at what you're going to do to interact with which models. And, and there, there are a lot of models out there and, and there's some companies in technology that you'll see that's really all in on one model. Like for example, Microsoft has a really close relationship with uh, OpenAI and ChatGPT. Uh, good model, now better because they've added plugins. So the big failure in GPT-4 is it's not live connected to the internet, right? It's only trained up to like 2022 uh, data. So it has a hole in its knowledge. Well, you can add a plugin that lets it connect directly to the inter internet. So now you have ChatGPT-4 with a live internet connection. That's powerful. And, and, you know, there are other models. Entropics Claude is a great model. It doesn't have a live internet connection, but it's trained on data that's more recent. Uh, Google has BARD. BARD is live internet connected. So it's connected to the Google search uh, world. So it has, you know, uh, live data. Cohere is another one, really good model. And, and that's starting to show up in different applications. Um, but I think the open approach is and that is, I want my platform, my AI platform to have the ability to connect to several models and, and not lock me into one place. Because what I've seen, these models evolve very quickly. Uh, my example with Google Bard was, excuse me, Google, but when I used it in January, it was terrible. Like I didn't, I just went, I'm not going to use that. It's not giving me anything that I need. And then I used it about a month ago and I'm like, whoa, this is incredible. And now I use it almost every day for something because it is, has improved so much over, you know, six, seven, eight months. And that's what you're going to see. So you want to have the capability to connect to the models that, um, that are going to provide you the best outputs. And then it just comes back to, to thinking about what I said. It's, uh, am I automating things? Or am I trying to, to make it um, interactive, interactivity? Do I want a bot? Am I putting it on the front of my business? Am I putting it inside for employees so they can get benefit questions answered or whatever? Um, one of the greatest use cases, and I know you, you do a lot with sales and marketing, those two areas are really, really ripe for a, a lot of disruption because of the opportunity, right? Marketing, particularly right now, the use cases are really good for marketing. Um, around content marketing, for example, uh, you can have it help you with content creation. I mean, if you're, a, if you're a content writer, even just having something where you can go, give me some ideas around X, Y, Z, and it comes back with, you know, four or five ideas. And I go, Hey, that's a great idea. Let me work on that. And then maybe I have it edit that for me, or maybe I have it write a couple of paragraphs in the middle that I don't have enough research on yet or whatever. There's, there's really good opportunity in content. There's also really good opportunity around prediction and you have data already. So why are we 
blind testing campaigns anymore? Why don't we know ahead of time for what segment, what type of campaign has worked in the past and predict that into what we're trying to do and launch the right campaign for the right target audience, the right segment. So those kinds of things I think are really powerful from a marketing perspective. And then in sales, it's kind of the same opportunity. There's an opportunity to, and I, you know, I've done a lot of research around sales uh, productivity. And there's a problem there that there's a real mismatch in how we go to market from a sales perspective and how buyers buy. It's, it's not aligned anymore. And we can use this to help us start to get aligned. One of the things is all of the administrative work that a salesperson does. And, you know, they spend a quarter of their time selling maybe. That's most of the data shows that. Well, now they can, you can free up that time just with an assistant. Um, you can have it uh, look at leads and point the salesperson towards the highest probability of close. I'm going to work on this prospect because they're in market and I know that they're a high probability versus these other four that would have taken all my time, but I wouldn't have gotten anything from it. So I, I think across all of that, there's a, there's, that was a long answer to a short question, but I think there's a lot, there's a lot of opportunity around that. Yeah. Yes. And this is sounding so, so uh, interesting. A lot of use cases there, especially for me, who's <laughs> agency CEO. So, so, and we're, working a few of these, but for, for a general business and, uh, you know, if you're an executive having these issues on your desk, you know, what's your practical advice? Where should you start if you haven't found your use cases yet or have started implementing it? Because it's, you know, it's so many mm. aspects of AI, you know, so it's, it's a little bit uh, like a <laughs> yeah. hard, hard ball to catch, so to say. So it, so, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. What do you say to your clients when they ask you, hey, where should we start? Can you get us off the ground? You know, sure. well, the first thing I'll say is, is start. Because <laughs> if you don't start, you're going to be way behind your competitors in six months. Yeah, because it's changing so fast. And the use of it is changing so fast. And if you don't have enough skills, that's going to be a problem. It's going to be a limiting factor. So you've got to get people with their hands in, in areas where you know you can increase productivity or automate away some, some mundane things. Um, you got to do that fairly quickly because you want that education process, the absorption process to start. Um, then I think the next piece is, uh, um, th there's one sort of use case that I think is like a no-brainer. Like every company has a cybersecurity risk, huge cybersecurity risk. And it's getting worse because guess what? All those bad guys sitting in Eastern Europe or wherever they are, they have access to the same tools you do. And they're starting to apply them to their problems and they're going to come at you harder and harder and harder. So I think if you're, you know, if you just want to say one place where there's just no reason why I shouldn't have already been looking at this, it's cybersecurity. Because you're going to have to have agents on your network that can predict problems, solve problems, warn people, whatever the thing is that needs to be the right outcome from that. But, you know, there, there, there's good technology today that can help with that. And I think that's a place that you, you have to look. Then the next one, I think, is those areas that I mentioned to you, sales, marketing, customer service, those three areas, there's really good opportunity. And you could easily pilot, for example, in your content marketing team, you could give them a couple of writing tools that are, you know, large language model based and help them increase their productivity and output and quality 
uh, very quickly. So that's a great place to pilot a project. Uh, you could pilot a project with the sales team by giving them an assistant that just takes away some of their administrative burden. Those things are very uh, low risk, and yet they could have a significant return. So that's, that's how I like to think of it. Find the areas first where you have some, some lower risk opportunities to really get a lot of ROI out of it in a short period of time, and then you invest there. I mean, chatbots, there's no reason you shouldn't have a human machine collaboration in your customer service uh, section, both from helping the agent be better and helping your customers have a better experience. So th those kinds of things, I think, are, are just obvious opportunities today. Yeah. And... Um... Do you see any providers or technology companies that you would, you know, recommend to check out or start looking into any agent technologies or assistant technologies or, or mm -hmm. so you can recommend? Yeah, most, most of the uh, most of the CRM vendors like Salesforce and Microsoft, um, Sugar CRM, you know, the, the, the kind of the normal players there, they're all investing in certain areas. Microsoft and Salesforce, I know a bit more about what they're doing right now, and they all have built out what they are both, unfortunately, calling co-pilots, but that's, a, that's going to be a confusing naming problem, but nonetheless, it's assistance. And they're starting to build those out in each of the areas that they provide solutions for. So those would be a great place to start, especially if you're already a, a Microsoft CRM customer or a, a Salesforce um, you know, CRM customer. They have those embedded. And if you're an enterprise customer with Salesforce, you get access to a lot of that tech already in there. You just need to turn it on basically. Um, so I think that's a good way to, those are, those are definitely players that are, are doing a lot. And then you're also starting to see the, a lot of startups that come out with really specific areas. And what, one of the things that I think you're going to see is the same thing we saw in cloud. All of a sudden, you know, you started to hear about industry clouds and you're going to see the same thing in AI. You're going to start seeing very focused, vertically oriented solutions. Like I, I know one company, uh, that's in retail that, uh, you know, has a, a CMS, a, a content uh, management system that they're building AI into so that when your when your prospect comes to your e-commerce site, it serves them a culturally appropriate product description and image. And it is relevant to where they are located or maybe what they bought in the past. Maybe it offers them some things that go along with what they're looking at, you know, whatever, but those kinds of vertically focused automations and, and solutions are going to be really hot. And you're going to see more and more of those. And those are really going to come out of the startup world for a while. Now they'll eventually get, you know, rolled up and, and into some of the larger companies, which always happens in our world. Right. But for now, there's a huge, huge, interesting growth opportunity there in the, uh, among the uh, startups that are looking at different vertical use cases. Yeah. Well, awesome, Michael. What an interesting expose of, uh, you know, insights and, and things. And we could probably go on here because you have so <laughs> much to tell you, but I know you're a busy guy. So I'm so thankful for you, your time that you want to share with the, this uh, with, with our audience here at Tech Marketing Trends. And last but not least, you know, if our listeners, which I think they definitely would, you know, would like to read your report or take part of more of your content or listen to your pods or whatever, where can they find more info about you? And Well, uh, there, there's, there's probably three easy places to look, right? The first one is the Arion Research um, website. So arionresearch.com, A-R-I-O-N. 
and um, that and so that has links to almost everything in it. The blogs there, uh, the podcast, the podcast we launched a couple months ago around AI is called Disambiguation, and it's about AI and business automation. Disambiguationpod.com it has its own site, but it's also available on all your podcast platforms on YouTube. So you just do a search, you'll see it. Uh, and then LinkedIn, obviously I'm on LinkedIn and then the, uh, our company, we have a, a page there so you can easily connect with me there. Happy to, to connect and, and, you know, start some conversations. The, the, the model that we use for the research reports should help your audience because we give our research away and then we make money by doing advisory and consulting and that sort of thing. So if you go to the area on site, you can go to the research reports, you can download that AI adoption uh, survey report and it it's free. So why wouldn't you want to do that? Awesome. Yeah. So check that out. Well, thank you so much for uh, dropping by. Um, I wish you all the best now with your research, research company and uh, yeah, catch you in the future. Great. Thank you. Appreciate it.